You know, Mayo, when the Series 7 came out, I waited a little bit to get one, and then I, mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I did. I, I, I ordered the Series 7 aluminum blue 45 millimeter, and that was to replace with LTE, and that was to replace the review unit Series 6 cellular aluminum red from the year before. And um, you know, I, was, I was pretty happy with that for a while, but I, I always. I think I've discussed this with you, maybe even on the show, but but the the way it feels, like my my overall satisfaction with the Apple Watch has like been in decline between peaks and troughs, and at the moment we're in a trough. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was like Series Five. I loved Series Five. Um, I mean, Series Four was awesome for me. Series Three, like Series Three, loved it. I had cellular for the first time. Changed how I could use it. Series Four, new design. Really appreciated that. I think I went with gold that year. Um, cause it was, that was when you could do gold stainless steel for the first time and not like gold edition, you know, 10,000 to $15,000. <laughs> uh, and then series five, I went with ceramic because they wanted the white ceramic before and they didn't. And make series five was the- always on, which is obviously a big factor. Yeah. Always on big factor. They didn't do a ceramic series five or four. So for it to be five was, was nice. And I really appreciated that, that watch. Just like as an object, you know, as, as like something I wear, not not even for like the 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 fitness features and all the things it can do, but just as a watch. Always ceramic help well, with that. Like fantastic <laughs> case material. They should. Yeah. I wish they do like ceramic iPhone and stuff. Like <laughs> I wish they just do a ceramic watch every year. Well, know? yeah, but, I mean, that's yeah. I guess you walk before you can run on that one because <laughs> they they definitely dip out of doing so. Like they did the titanium ones, but not, is- the ceramics nicer. They keep those up, and I think that like stainless steel, any any color looks nicer than the than like the matte sort of. Yeah, for me, like, I, and I've never bought any of the fancy colors, but uh, if I was, it'd be like ceramics number one, and not gray ceramic, the white ceramic. Yeah, gray, gray ceramic, ceramic was was no go for series bust, three. Yeah. yeah, so it's like white ceramic number one, and then number two would be the space black stainless steel. That was that's definitely the best secondary option. Yeah. Um and and you know our colleague Ben Lovejoy who lives in the same country as you and has the mm-hmm. same name name as you for the most part uh he 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 recently bought a series five ceramic like from eBay because he was satisfied with like the features out there but then he really wanted ceramic because you know because because it is a, a factor of like valuing a material and the look and like there is this unexplained feeling that you get emotion that you feel from nicer objects if that's something that you, you know, feel and value. Um, and so obviously for him, like it was worth it. And he's, he's satisfied with a ceramic watch that's two generations old at this point. And he, you know, not, it's different from like having it for two generations and like getting it, like acquiring it two generations later. Um, but that just speaks to like the appeal of nicer materials, including ceramic, which, you know, comes and goes. We've, we've had it for series two, three and five. Um, and, and currently it's not, not on the table, but um, after the series five ceramic, I had emailed Apple PR and I was like, Hey, I'd you know, love to do the watch reviews and everything, but I'm not, can't justify buying a series six when I have ceramic. Um, and that's when I was sent the, the uh, product red series six, which, you know, especially that, that upgrade from five to six was like, you got the, the blood, blood ox sensor and the main thing that I can recall. <laughs> Ultimator was that? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And, and, and then there were new colors, you know, you, you got, I think that was the first one they had red and, um, and, and then, you know, series seven, you go to, um, you know, a, a modestly larger screen with, with, with less bezel, you know, not as dramatic as from three to four, but still noticeable and, and still modern. And so, 
Um, with that, I was like, well, you know, I, I'm not going to live on the review unit and I do want to try the new thing because it is something different than just like a sensor inside that I'll never use. And so I went with the blue, um, mo- mostly blue because it was the, the I, I bought it late. Like it was definitely after by maybe a month of release and it was the earliest one I could get sent to me and still, you know, in- enjoy, I guess. And so I got that blue aluminum with LTE cause that was, a, that was important to me. And, um, and also I was just thinking, you know, I'm just going to get the the normal watch and not want splurge on the material, you know, this time and just do kind of like function and not, not perform. Um, and that, that lasted for a long time, but I still kind of had that feeling that I had from series six where I was like, I don't really get the same like emotional, you know, spark from wearing this and I'm not actually wearing it as much because, you know, I'm not like benefiting from the, the health features because I'm not wearing it because I enjoy it, you know? And so there'd be many days or weeks where I would just not wear the watch. And, um, I actually like in the last let's see month I just unpaired it and you know just had it in case I needed to like test something for work but otherwise I just wasn't wearing it um, and that's something I did for the Series Six too for a lot of that that era but um, I, I decided you know I nailed down that it is in fact the like the, the thing that's make the watch has not gotten worse in two years like it's only getting better and I mentioned you know a couple of weeks ago I feel like it's in the best shape of its life you know and, and then that that sparked the question of like well what's next. Um, but, but for me, like the answer of why am I not enjoying it is, is literally because I, uh, what I found myself doing was like, I was in the market for like a nice watch that gave me the same feeling of like, you know, a still Apple watch or a ceramic Apple watch. And I was like, well, what, what will it be? And I couldn't find something that was like exactly the way I wanted. That was like, just, you know, if I were to customize a watch face, what it would be. And I finally decided uh, what I'm looking for is an Apple watch and, 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 you know, a nice material. And so I, over the weekend I, I caved and bought one. And um, I, I just got the 45 millimeter series seven in stainless steel with the Milanese loop. And um, it's, it's like <laughs> it, it marked a big, you know, task off my uh, list of like things to, to do, which was find a nice watch that I enjoy wearing, you know? And of course it was the Apple watch. And of course it was a nice material Apple watch. Um, but it, it really did take like, I don't know, like a year and a half of just thinking about it and wondering why am I not getting, you know, the same, spark out of it as I did in years past. And and it was because I think I just, you know, I, I wasn't buying the material that I like the most and the one that makes me feel better, like, you know, not, not feel better, but like feel, you know, I, I have a good feeling when I see it, you know, feel nice. And you'd got ceramic if ceramic seven was available. This whole thing never would have happened if it wasn't for if ceramic didn't go yeah. away. I would just buy that every year. But um, yeah. And I, and I haven't had stainless steel silver since the first Apple watch. I think because didn't series two do space black in before, originally you could only get space black if you got the link bracelet. And so it yeah, was like over a thousand dollars. And then for series two, they made space black available with a sport band. And this is before you could choose which band came to your watch. And so all of a sudden it was like, you know, you could spend uh, like 700 or less uh, on a space black. And so space black was my series two watch. Series three was, I know I had a review unit for most of it. So I probably just had the review review unit for most of that year. And then series four, I definitely bought, but that was gold single steel. And then series five was ceramic series six was review unit series seven was aluminum at first. So yeah, this is the first time I've had silver aluminum since then. And um, I'm really happy with it. And I'm using the, like I've always been using this watch face as like my daily watch face, but it's utility where you can see the numbers and, you have three complications. It's not optimized for the series four and higher where you've got like 
four corner complications and text around the the dial, but um, it's the most like watch <laughs> watch watch face to me. Um, do you like it more than California then? Because I feel like the California is pretty good. California is good, but you can't do color for the complications and the yeah yeah I like I like the the color and and the not just the complications but especially the complicated you can do infograph with color complications but yeah. then that one is just busy um even if you don't use the middle complications you don't, you don't get the same you don't get the numbers around the dial this is where actually even if apple didn't allow custom watch faces from like third party providers if they just allowed you to take all of their elements of watch faces and make your own like even if it's only on the phone you know <laughs> yeah you say, I like this from California, this from Utility, this from Infograph, but, you know, and then build your own and just say- Like, literally just build your own based on each of the existing parts from all of existing faces, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's why I use Utility, though. And you, you, you customize the second uh, the second hand color, and you custom, and you can put the date in the, in the middle of the dial, which has a color as well. But that's, like, my day one watch face from when I first started using it, and uh, now I'm using the day one color- and I was using, you know, I was pretty happy with Melanie's loop over the weekend, but um, I just had, I remember back to when I was on in, in search for, this was during series two and I had the space black um, still version and I was in search, I was in California in Cupertino and in search of this space black link bracelet. And I remember going like different, cause that was the only place in the country you could get them in stores, at least in the West coast. And um, I remember I seeked out a space back link bracelet and took like four or five stores to track down one, um, but did. And so what I did today, I you know slept on it throughout the week and thought about it. And, and so I ordered the uh, because it's silver this time, the silver link bracelet, which you know like from the first watch, it was promoted as like this is the the most expensive configuration before you get to like actually you know gold ten thousand dollars and up. Um, and I, and I like that about it. You know, I didn't get one in the first watch cause the, the, the price was kind of out of my league at the time. And, um, and I, I did do that with the series two, but then, you know, didn't have sailor after that. And I, you know, so it wasn't, wasn't, I ended up giving that band to a friend. Um, and, and this time, uh, I, I'm really happy cause it's like kind of the watch I wanted in the, in the beginning, but it's now it's like the most capable version of that Apple watch. And, it's the best design of that Apple Watch, even though it's like if you were to glance at a Series Zero, still stainless steel Apple Watch with a with a link bracelet, you know, solar link bracelet, and then this one, it'd be like that's the same product, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not a million miles off, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but then you when you know what's different internally and like feature wise and everything, it's like and, this and is... the screen difference, like <laughs> yeah. the bezel difference between the Series Seven and the Series Zero is truly dramatic like yes one yeah. is so old and that's obviously the old you know including the series three still sold but the the square like the the inset bezel not only is the bezel so thick it doesn't like trace the shape of the rounded corners or anything it just looks so dated and yeah so, yeah it, you know if you're looking for a distance they kind of look like the same watch eight years on but the details are very very different in terms of the design yeah and i think that's part of like the emotional joy i'm getting from this experience is you know, it's like there was the prototype seven years ago, you know, like <laughs> a long time ago. And then it's it's just it's like subtly different, but it is the best version of that original. Um, and so it, I, I even did like the express shipping for eight bucks <laughs> this next day. <laughs> so as we record on Thursday, it will be on Friday for me. <laughs> nice, and I'm nice. very happy. And that, and, and also I am like selling off the obviously the, the blue sil- um, aluminum model. And um, yeah, but but that uh 
That's my, that's my Apple Watch story. <laughs> yeah, I think like I only buy the base model every single time, but my philosophy is I think similar to yours in that the one of the leading reasons to own the Apple Watch is like the workout tracking, the fitness stuff, right? And so if you're not using that, then the the need or the interest or the you know the motivation to wear the watch every day or to use the Apple Watch, you know, kind of falls away, and you can just do most of the rest of the stuff on your phone. But if you are like the the activity tracking and the workout stuff is the linchpin or the tentpole feature that makes the whole thing like worthwhile in terms of you know charging it every night, having it on your wrist, having and then the notification and the stuff and the messaging and stuff is like a bonus. And and so if you need like a nice looking one or you know, to, to either feel nice in yourself or to look nice for other people, whatever, it, you know, whatever it may be, if that's what you need to then have the motivation to use the watch, then take advantage of the activity stuff. Uh, that's fine. Right. Like, and that's, you know, if, if you, if you do like the Apple watch, then that's what you should do for me. I don't care about the aesthetics as much. And, but I, I the, like, but that doesn't stop me from using the activity stuff, you know? So that's why I carry on buying the base model. Cause for me, the, you know, the ability to, break it and not feel too bad about it outweighs the nicer look but like the same the 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 core tenant is is clear which is like the activity tracking is the core killer feature of the apple watch if you want to use that phrase and when that isn't being utilized for whatever reason and a lot of the time for people that's just aesthetics of you know practical practicality then the overall product feels less necessary you know and and it's perfectly reasonable to me that you can look at if you just want a nice watch, but you want not features like the 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 watch market, the traditional watch market isn't isn't satis- isn't satisfying because they're just boring watches. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like they look, you know, they look stylish or in terms of society, they have the the fashion element. But the Apple Watch is a really nice middle ground where if you're going to wear something in your wrist every day, it can look nice, but also it can do stuff for you. You know, like I I. If the Apple Watch was just a, a fashion item, I would have no interest in it whatsoever. It's the functionality that makes it compelling. And the biggest element of that is the activity tracking. And if you're whatever's blocking your mental for whatever reason about, you know, keeping yourself more fit or at least following the activity stuff on a daily basis, trying to close the move ring, if nothing else, like those are the features that bind the Apple Watch into relevance and importance. And if that stuff falls away, then you stop wearing the Apple Watch, right? Because that's it's not as it's not as essential as the iPhone. Like the iPhone has ten reasons why you don't want to make it go away, whereas the Apple Watch, you know, hangs mostly on that first one, and then the other stuff's like bonus. But so that's that's kind of the the same philosophy, but different people have different motivations or reasons for being able to do that, you know. And for you, that's you want the one that looks really nice. So there you go, knock yourself out, and it's cool. From the, from the other side, uh, I I do notice like in the recent years probably from series four and up, especially series seven now that when I do see an Apple watch in the wild, which is all the time now, you know, of course um, most are aluminum, but I don't notice immediately because so much of it is glass mm-hmm. on top that it's shiny and glossy. Like it was steel. And so I often think like, Oh, it's space black, which now is graphite, you know, it's, you know, whatever, but <laughs> um I, I do, you know, get that appreciation of like that's a nice object when I'm looking at watches in the wild, mostly because there's so like there's so much glass now that it does look glossy and shiny and kind of has that that cool look to it anyway. Yeah, for sure. Happy Hour this week is brought to you by Coda. Working from home is the new trend, but obviously me and Zach have been doing it for as long as we can remember. And we might be biased, but 
It really is great. We can work from anywhere with just a laptop and some decent Wi-Fi. At 9to5Mac, we don't have to collaborate as a team too much on massive interconnected projects, but I know I do in my development job and that those problems, those syncing, all that stuff, it definitely comes up. And there's various tools out there to help make this cross-collaborative work manageable, but the best might just be Coda. So get started at coda.io slash happy hour. If your work is usually spread across a handful of documents and spreadsheets and a huge stack of workflow tools to manage, then Coda can unify and simplify everything. Coda brings everything together into a single document to make your teamwork easier. And it has templates for everything. Product roadmaps, remote onboarding, objective tracking, meeting notes, whatever you need, Coda has it covered. And it makes it super adaptable to changing needs of your business and team. You can change the view of your data based on what you need to do at that moment. And the information in Coda seamlessly integrates with all of the other tools you need. Everything you put into a Coda doc is synced and saved. You make an update in a table and it automatically shows up everywhere for everyone on your team. That means your team can easily operate on the same information and collaborate quickly and efficiently. So with Coda, you can solve for just about anything. And right now you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to coda.io slash happy hour. That's spelled C-O-D-A dot I-O forward slash happy hour to get started for free. One more time, coda.io slash happy hour. Thanks to Coda for sponsoring the show. Next up, we're going to talk about the Apple Watch. Oh, what a segue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, there's a super vague rumor about the report this week that the next Apple Watch, the Series 8, will be a major update to activities tracking uh, and have a faster chip. Okay. Uh, I think I think this is Mark Herman, right? And I think yeah, this is from his newsletter. And yeah. he kind of runs down uh, like what we expect for this year for the Apple Watch, and that includes the Apple Watch Series 8, an updated Apple Watch SE and the Apple Watch version that's going to be brand new, which is geared towards extreme sports, Apple Watch Explorer, whatever you want to quickly call it, which has been rumored for a while. It might have more like a rubbery enclosure, so it's more suitable for like hiking or climbing and stuff like that. Um, But on the software side, you know, we're kind of waiting uh, with bated breath to see have any rumors really about iOS 16, macOS, whatever the number is, watchOS 8, like that kind of stuff. Um, And it was kind of interesting that German did actually call out because he, you know, obviously in his newsletter, he does a lot of like personal opinion and speculation, but also he puts in some little tidbits here and there. And it seemed like he at least had some idea that uh, there are going to be major like software updates for activity tracking, uh, which is nice because as much as we just talked about in the last section, how about how the activity app and the fitness app are so core to what makes the Apple Watch good. They haven't changed like too much over the years like i feel like the best parts of the activity app and the fitness app are what are the same features that were there from the very beginning or almost the very beginning you know like and i think there's some very low-hanging fruit that they could and hopefully would fall under the big updates to activity tracking for instance automatic workout tracking is smart in the sense that you don't have to like go into the workout app scroll down the list of workout types, select your workout and go. And from a large swath of activities like walking or running or, you know, treadmill and stuff, it can just vibrate on your wrist and say, I I think you've started a walk. And then you press confirm and then it carries on and it keeps the, it gives you credit for the last 10 minutes that it's been, you know, watching you in the background for your activity. But the fact that you have to like proactively tell it yes or no, that feels quite dated to me. And 
the Fitbit uh, stuff, like the Fitbit accessories, they let you do like explicit workouts, but also they just do the activity tracking in the background silently. So if they notice that you're doing a, a run for X amount of hours, you can obviously, if you want to, start a proper workout and get all the information on the screen. But if you don't want to bother with that and you just want to run, at the end of the day, when you go and look back in the Fitbit app or whatever they call it, you see a breakdown of, oh, you you know, you were standing for these hours, you were running for these hours, and you were resting for these hours. And the Apple doesn't really have that. Like, you have the move ring, which is just a... But that's just calories. And then you have the exercise ring, which is like, you know, when your heart rate's above resting or, you know, stand walking pace. But if you want to see, like, a breakdown of what you've actually done, walking, running, gym activities, the only way you can get at that is through doing explicit workouts or being prompted to do an explicit workout and then prompted again to end the workout when you're finished. So the the Fitbit thing has just this nice, easier on-ramp of like, yeah, you can do the explicit workouts when you want to, but if you don't want to be bothered, you can just go about your day and we'll make sure we're keeping all the stats for you without you having to manually intervene. So something in that direction is on my list of things that I hope Apple can address in, in upcoming updates, and that would definitely fall under major updates major updates to activity tracking. So would, it, would the actual, like, like uh, you know, the... the- the actual feature be something like continuous heart rate monitoring in the way that the re- because the reason that it is that logging a workout gives you more data is because the heart rate sensor then is like on on versus checking it periodically every few minutes it's like but i think uh, that's definitely part of it maybe that could be like an option where if it like does automatic workout tracking it turns that stuff on but even for me it would just be nice to like I just want to be able to like go to the end of the week and then have like a summary where it says you walked for two hours this week right and the Fitbit stuff can definitely do that because it will just casually in the background see what you're doing and you've gone for an explicit like outdoor run for an hour and then the end of the week you can look back at your week and it goes oh look you've run for an hour. Yeah, that, feels, that feels like that feels like software that like just rearranging what you can do you know with with existing well, data. Well, kind of, but like the Apple Watch can't do it today. Why not? Because like, it's not content- taking your heart rate enough to figure it out. Like, I feel oh, well, like I mean, it doesn't. It, like it, like if it if it automatically realizes you're running, if you don't tell it, yes, you are. It won't record it. Mm, yeah. So then you get to the end of the week and your history is just blank and you have like calories or exercise ring, but it doesn't say, you know, these exercises happened because you were running or happened because you were walking. Because like what happens to me is I'm walking for like to the shops and back for like 20 minutes. It's not really that like far that I'm like, okay, I want to start a workout and then the thing vibrates on my wrist. I don't want to like stop my flow of walking to just press yes and then press no at the end. I just want a more passive like, okay. At the end of the day, I can get a nice little summary. Oh, I walked for two hours this week. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a level like in between the base level of the activity rings, and then the extreme. Okay, we're actively pursuing a workout right now. In between, there's just like this casual, more casual, like activity type tracking kind of thing that I think is really compelling. But the Apple Watch doesn't have any really support for it, and it's just a nice thing that I feel like a you know a computer on your wrist should be able to do, and it just doesn't. Well, and my thinking is that the reason that you have to say yes to confirm an auto detect the workout is that it, it's, I mean, it's under the category of battery life saving because when you say yes, then all of a sudden it tracks your heart rate more specifically. It tracks location as, as a factor of, you know, what your activity is and how much energy you're using. Um, and so if, if the Apple were to say with a series eight, okay, well, we, we didn't make it thinner yet in, in eight years, um, but we've, we've got a more efficient chip and we've got, you know, more battery than, than we had before. 
um, then we say, well, we're, we're going to fire up the heart rate sensor and just let it run. And there's never a difference between on or off. It's just, it's always on. And then, and that would allow you to say, okay, it's it, no confirmation needed yep. for, for this, unless you maybe just wanted to include location or something for it. But I feel like, I feel like that is like the hardware change that we'd see for it to, to mean this. And, and, and we don't have that specificity yet in, in the, in the reporting, just that it's would be a big update for activity tracking. And then I think there's like the biggest watch update since the first one. And also I, I want to mention this, you know, I love Mark. Um, I, I feel like in the reporting of this, you early on, you characterize it as such as this is a huge deal because it is the change this year. And it's the first time it, it's being reported, but then like after it's available, how do we all look at it? And including Mark, like, what do you say? Like, this is really, isn't that big of a year. It's just another, yeah. another you know, step on the same pace as always, <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it, it depends. Like, obviously they have to deliver on the promise of the rumor of major update to activity tracking for us to, you know, give them the credit when June comes around and we see it in the software or in the fourth it's associated with hardware. But I think there's I think there's definitely room for them to do a lot of stuff with activity stuff that they aren't doing right now. I think a great another great example is, you know, the breathing, like that your classic thing where it has the breathing notifications that just happen on a four hourly basis or a six hourly basis, depending on what your settings are. And but people think that the Apple Watch is doing something really smart where it's like noticing you're really stressed or really hyped up. But it's like, okay, take a minute to breathe. And just by placebo, people like think that oh that that's what's going on and really it's just on a timer. Like I think they could do that feature properly and actually notice when you're like getting hyped up or getting stressed or haven't, you know, taken a moment for yourself for a day or so, like, and ha- just be more intelligent than, oh, we're going to do it on a schedule of every five hours, you know? Like, I, th- I think the actual version of that is, hey, you have an irregular heartbeat. You're not, you're not active, but your heart rate's up. Go to the hospital, you know? Like, <laughs> and because they do do that too. Yeah, r- they do. Yeah. They I do mean, do that's, that. that's kind of like if what you're describing is like, if your heart, if you actually were stressed, your heart rate was up, like, you know? How do they know the difference in that and that, you know? Yeah, I I just think anything that they can do to make activity tracking and fitness tracking and, like, quantified self stuff more automatic and not requiring human agreement or human intervention is always a good thing, and it makes a big difference. Because I think a lot of people, they walk around with the Apple Watch all day long, and they'll never actually start a workout. I I don't have numbers. This is P.I. anecdotal, but... I bet that's a pretty big like user base where people never actually explicitly start a workout at all. They just wear the watch all day long and they rely on the activity rings. So anything they can do to make the activity ring information more complete, more detailed, like a breakdown of the actual activities you've done for every other day, I think that would be a huge benefit to the entire ecosystem. And then the other part of Mark's report is that he says the this might be the year that the Series 3 will be retired. Oh, too soon. No way. <laughs> <laughs> This year, the Watch family is Apple Watch Series 3, uh, SE2, and Series 8. <laughs> and a Series 7, just to be yeah, Sure, just naturally, you know. I mean, I hope they can ditch the Series 3, as we all do. But I, I, I you know what Apple's like. <laughs> they could easily keep it around for one more year. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what... That's coming in the on the software side for the watch and the hardware. It, the it doesn't seem like there's going to be any crazy new sensors. Maybe the temperature sensor will be this year, but again, Mark's kind of like hedges and says that might also be delayed to the future. Um, so we'll see. I think sleep tracking is another big area where they could do a lot of improvement. 
Yeah, if the heart rate monitor was left on all the time, they could do mm-hmm. more things there. Uh, with the Series 3, if it were to go away, I think it would be like the iPod Touch when the previous model went away. It was like, wasn't it WWDC, the software shown off, wasn't going to support it, and they discontinued that model? Yeah. Like, around then? So it might not have to be in the fall when a new watch comes out, but instead in the summer when the software's turned off that won't run on the Series 3. <laughs> and that's when they'll say, okay, we're going to stop selling these now. Yeah. The biggest thing that means the Series 3 is still available today is that the Apple Watch SE is too expensive. Like, if if they drop, they're competing against Fitbit products that are $99. And so the Apple Watch Series 3 gives them an in at 199 But until they can get the SE price closer to 199 or ideally at 199 um, they're not going to do it. But I th- you know, this many years on, the, the SE isn't a brand new product either, so it feels like it could get down close to two hundred dollars. And this is like the this is beginning year three of the SE, I believe. So it's yeah. almost as if we we're like, so we're on Series Eight. It'd be like if we're on Series Five and Eight, so and it would three, be perfectly three, fine if they want to introduce a new SE at the higher price point and then have the old SE take the Series Three slot. Like that'd be fine. That'd be acceptable to me. That just get rid of the S, the Series Three in any way you can. Make make it SE plastic. Make it cheaper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> make the screen worse no lamination LCD yeah. I mean at that point it's like sending people to prison <laughs> what, what are you paying for it, make it just you're a paying digital, for your own misery make it a pebble you know just a digital watch <laughs> e- e- e-ink screen it's got the best battery life of any Apple watch ever yeah next next up we've 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 got um, we're talking about global global politics yeah there's, no, there's not a great segue here let's be real on but. on the happy hour it's it's now it's now become an apple topic because after a few weeks uh of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Apple has now uh for the first time addressed it acknowledged it and um, not just in a statement but with policy changes Apple stopped selling products in Russia. This past week, it, it, it began as people noticing that you could not add things to your cart. And then the next day, it was at the stores down. And um, we, we, we've seen in the past when when uh, currency fluctuation is jarring enough that Apple just halts sales in that country or region because it's it, you, you don't know what things cost anymore at that point. Um, and so we wondered, is this that or is it more of a moral stand? Um, and then it was followed by Apple's doing this thing in in in, Russia, in Ukraine where they no longer show live traffic updates or incident reports. So um, they Google had done this the day before. The idea is that you could use Google Maps or Apple Maps and see where traffic is high or accidents have occurred to say that's a place to target if you're going to attack. And so as sort of a, a precautionary measure, Google and then Apple made the decision to turn that off in the country. Um, and then I guess some, the more complicated or interesting thing to think about is, is that they, Apple didn't make any change to the App Store in Russia. But outside of Russia, they, they removed RT, which is Russia Today. And what's the other app they removed? Sputnik News. Sputnik News. I should have remembered that. Sure. Uh, Sputnik News. So anywhere else, they're like state-backed media companies. So right, yeah. And so, so those two apps were removed, not in Russia, but outside of Russia. And the idea there is to limit the spread of propaganda via the App Store. Um, So those are the changes. But if you're inside Russia, you can still get the propaganda. Like, Mm -hmm. bit of a weird line. If they just removed it entirely, I think that might have been cleaner. But these 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 matters are hard, you know, and like. 
clearly Apple's help. Like, you know, <laughs> the other problem I have with it, like, obviously, Russia shouldn't invade Ukraine. It's a terrible thing that's going on. But he's not say buy it. No, but you said buy it. You said buy it. Well, I'm no. The but is, I don't believe that the entire of the Russian population agree that what their government's doing to Ukraine is necessarily right. So, how oh, much do absolutely. you punish the everyday person who maybe just wants to go and buy an iPhone? Do you know what I mean? Like versus uh, thingy. And so, you know, pausing product sales, it's I, like because the Ukraine minister wanted to was calling for Apple to like fully disable iCloud and the App Store entirely in the region. Which yeah. to me probably is a bit of an overstep because you know if you're just an innocent bystander inside of Russia, then you can't like back up your phone. You lose all your photos because there's a war going on because you know your 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 leaders like a tyrant. Like that doesn't feel right to me either. So what they've done, it feels like a decent step. Obviously, we all just wish that Russia would leave Ukraine, but what Apple's done here is a decent middle ground. I think of it t- t- took a, took a little while. Yeah, but once once they made the decision, it was it was quick. And and it, it just so happened to be one one day before the uh, Apple event announcement, and so they were able to. I mean, this is just super weird territory, but they were able to do do one thing the one day, and then because it would have been really weird to have done nothing and had the event, mm-hmm. or and not even like do nothing, but like say nothing and then do the event, or have the event announcement and then announce this. So I think the there's there's no like win here, but. In terms of just how they they did it, um, probably probably best case scenario was yeah they've acted ethically and they've done it in the right order, right? They they're addressing the terrible world situation in the best way they can, I think. Mm-hmm. Happy Hour is also sponsored this week by New Relic, as well as doing this podcast. I develop apps, and if you're a software engineer like me, you'll relate to this. It's late at night, you're unwinding, and bing 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 bing, your phone is buzzing because something has gone down, something's broken, the app isn't working. Maybe the server's collapsed. Whatever it is, there's a mad scramble to try and work out what has gone wrong. Modern software is so complicated, and there's so many layers of the stack that could be at fault. What New Relic does is it offers a comprehensive and precise system monitoring solution so you can quickly hone in on the problem and fix it. You don't want to have the need to deploy the entire team messaging each other back and forth to try and debug the issue. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally have to buy separately in an all-in-one offering. So engineering teams across the front end and the back end can see the entire software stack in one place. That's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9pm call is just waiting to happen. So get New Relic before it does. And you can access the entire New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data for free forever, no credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash happy hour. That's spelled N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash happy hour. One more time, newrelic.com slash happy hour. Thanks to New Relic for sponsoring the show. Okay, we're still in still in Europe now, right? We're, we're Yeah, we will get to the event stuff. We're, okay. There's some more admin. Yeah, well, I mean, the event's next week, so we're still, we're, we're, we're still in Europe for now. Uh, Apple says that they are in full compliance in the Netherlands, and 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 the Dutch say, "No, you're not. Give us five million dollars because it's Monday." Yeah, but, I mean, is that we've, right? we've skipped the Dutch story for a couple of weeks because 
literally nothing happened other than the the Dutch gave Apple another five million dollar sign every Monday. Yeah. Every Monday, pretty much. Yeah, and it's it's. I think the total's up to like forty million now, which is kind of hilarious. But there was actually an interesting development in the last week, which is Apple sent out a letter uh, to the Dutch authority, and it was posted online that basically says we think we are in compliance. We we think we agree with the law that you've put out in the order. And the big issue that is discussed in the letter is over the fact that Apple is requiring uh, Netherlands dating apps that want to take advantage of an external payment system to submit their app as a separate binary because they need to include entitlements that are not allowed to ship in the main app that is available worldwide. They have to create a separate binary and upload that to the App Store and maintain that separately. And the Dutch order, part of the Dutch order is that, uh, you know, developers must be able to conveniently use other payment systems and apple's saying this is convenient it's not a big deal to offer to have to create a second binary whereas the the dutch authority believes that it is and that was one of the reasons why they've given them another five million dollar fine the other parts of the dutch order which apple doesn't seem to be in compliance with like the fact that they have to be able to do both in-app links and external payment systems not one or the other which is the current wording of the guidance that apple gave it to developers that issue hasn't been addressed in the letter. The Apple letter only focuses in on the ambiguous, I guess, reasoning of what counts as inconvenient or not to deploy this kind of thing. And one of the things that Apple does in its letter is it shows an example that Match Group, which obviously makes Tinder and loads of other um, dating apps, already maintains separate versions of its binary in multiple countries. For instance, the main match app is available there's one binary for 17 countries there's one binary in united states for latino and there's another binary for latin america and several south american countries uh, same for other apps called pairs and our time match group has like i don't know like 20 different brands they work under so there it's so apple saying look match group already do this it's not a big deal we're just asking people to do this to ensure that we're happy that people aren't going to you know dare try and do an external payment system in another app store region uh and so they actually end the letter with a rather, uh, I guess, hidden threat because <laughs> it says mm-hmm. Apple believes its solution is fully compliant with Dutch law. Apple has a consistent and long-standing commitment to compliance in each and every country in which we do business. We take these obligations very seriously. I understand that currently we have a difference of opinion that may ultimately have to be resolved by a court. So basically they're threatening legal action because they think they're in compliance with the, with the current Dutch law and the Dutch authority uh, don't think they are. Just my opinion... It's not a huge deal for a developer of match group scale to make another binary, to, to special case some entitlements for another binary. It's like not a big problem because all these big companies, they have automatic um, continuous integration stuff where, you know, you make a build of the code and then they just send it off to a, to a server farm somewhere that actually runs all the testing, builds the final binary that gets automatically submitted to the App Store that's quite a common thing even for individuals, right? Like even people like me if, who's just maintaining their own indie apps, you set up like automatic workflow things so you don't have to manually, you know, build multiple binaries by yourself and then by hand upload them to App Store Connect and stuff. So, you know, the automatic pipelines things are very common. That being said, I also think that Apple was, was intentionally putting this like extra step in there just to make it slightly more annoying. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it's not a huge deal of inconvenience, but... I don't think Apple has much justification for enforcing that thing because they could just have easily have said, look, you can have one binary, just don't do the external payment features 
to customers that are outside the Netherlands. Like, the only thing this rule does is make it slightly easier for the app review team. And and really, the entitlements that are limited to a particular binary, they have no technical correlation with the features of the app because you're just, you know, what we're talking about here is a link to the website. So the only the only role that these entitlements serve is it makes it easier for Apple to audit and track what's the, and enforce the rules. So really, whether you, can, whether you consider it convenient or inconvenient... There's no technical requirement for Apple to make people do this as a separate binary. They could have very easily done it as one binary. You can either see them as forcing two binaries because Apple's just trying to be annoying and make it as hard as possible for these people to actually try an external payment system. Or you can just see it as Apple saw that this this would be an easy route for them, so they just required that, and they weren't trying to be super mean. That's just what they did because that's a slightly easier process for them. Either way, I don't think if you actually got to the nitty-gritty of a court that was actually like informed on the technical matters i don't think apple really has a leg to stand here they probably should back down uh but at the same time it's not the main like the 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 fight over the second binary problem is not really the center of discontent with apple's conformance to the dutch law i'd say there's a much bigger area of discontent which is the 27 percent rate right and and the difference between supporting multiple payment systems and all that other stuff so Again, this is kind of like misdirection. It's like, look over here, you know, we're we're complying. Look over here. Don't think about the actual kind of not malcompliance, but like convenience. That oh, you know, even if even if this second binary thing did, wasn't a problem at all and it was completely off the table, who's going to implement this stuff? Because at the end of the day, you're going to spend twenty seven percent of commission to Apple plus more than three percent on admin costs and payment processing costs. So it's just not going to be it's not gonna be fruitful for you so like it's kind of an academic problem but that was just interesting because obviously you know apple hasn't released public letters like this before and this was an interesting point all right uh next we've got some big notch energy Big (laughs) uh what's 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 up with the notch this week yeah this is like this is kind of the i guess this happens quite a lot with the rumor mill of the iphone where you know in in september october you get the science fiction glory days of like the next iphone is going to have no holes on the screen at all and then a couple of weeks go by and it's like well it's gonna have a little oval shape or ellipse and it's gonna have a floating ellipse rather than notch and then a few more weeks go by and then that gets tuned again because well you know that single pill cutout shape well actually there's going to be a second hole and the pill cutout shape because apple can't (laughs) actually do face at the end of the screen so we're gonna have to have the separate hole for the face and a separate hole for the front camera and that was that was the running status quo for a while but now we have new schematics that are supposedly more accurate and the kind of wrinkle this time is that that uh ellipse and circle well they're not they're going to be bigger than the original renders because <laughs> the original renders were like pinhole size and it kind of looked cool and now it's like well now they're about 30 percent larger so they're slightly uglier than the previous uh regression in terms of what the rumor was describing as the next iphone design i think well, the best way to imagine this latest schematic is if you literally took your current iphone as it stands right now and made everything that isn't a camera sensor like transparent i.e you can see the glass like the actual holes are directly the same size as the current iphone holes are for the face id scanner for the uh, main camera etc the only difference is the gaps in between those circles are now screen whereas in the you know the previous revision they were a separate punch hole and cutout but they're also significantly smaller than the current design but really the this schematically shows that it's, 
it's basically exactly the same as the current notch, except the uh, about you know half of the black border will go away just because that's the gaps in between the two cutouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the next thing that we'll see is really rough, like like dummy units of this mm-hmm. that everyone's like that is hideous, and then we'll get the actual product, which is like. You know, compared to that dummy model, this looks pretty good. I yeah. kind of like it. <laughs> you know? uh, we spoke about the, 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 you know, the, the two, the two, the two punch whole thing previously. The fact that now it's a bit bigger, it's like it doesn't really change the principle. Like this will look fine. It will look. It will definitely look more modern than the iPhone 13 notch, which looked more modern than the iPhone 12 and previous notches. Right? Is it the completely notchless design that we all want? No. Is it? as competitive to the Android phones in terms of screen bezel? No, because the Android phones have moved towards underscreen fingerprint sensors, whereas Apple is still sticking to 3D scanning face recognition, which still requires, you know, exposed holes. So if, assuming you're taking that as granted, this is probably the best Apple can do for this year and uh, an even more futuristic look where we only have one hole and then eventually no holes will have to wait for the iPhone 14 plus N, where N is the state of technology. Yeah, and then a bit of retail news. Today, we're recording on Thursday. Today? March, March 3rd. Today, today, at Apple, is returning for the first time in two years. So so uh, this is the in-store, you know, go to an Apple store, use products um, under a, a guided lesson of some sort, and uh, have, have uh, you know, not just go to the store to shop or have something serviced, but go to the store to, like, learn something creative or interesting. Um, this has all been remote since COVID-19 and uh, it's next week it's returning. So um, you'll be able to schedule those, attend those. And that's pretty cool because for for me, like I don't live near an Apple store right now, but I I have fond memories of like just part of a trip to another city um, going to an Apple store and doing it today at Apple session just here and there. It's just like part of the, you know, you're, you're a new person in a new city for you. So, um, and if you do live near an Apple store, you know, you get some good stuff out of these things too. And, um, you know, it ranges like sometimes there's like really cool musicians and artists uh, in, in person. So, um, this is, it's good that this is coming back. <laughs> we're, we're, we're making that progress. And, I mean, there's also news like, like, um, the requirements for customers to wear masks in stores, the requirements for employees to wear masks in stores, like that, that's all changing too. So Apple's, um, you know, being responsive, I guess, to the, to the current conditions. Yeah. And it's nice that the worst part of the pandemic is seemingly behind us for now, uh, this isn't really related to the news story, but today at Apple, where did that come from? It came from Angela Renz, right? It did, it did. And so for everybody's like, oh, every, Apple hated Angela Renz, they didn't gel, that's why she got kicked out. It's like, no, she was there for many years. She instated several policy changes to the retail space, most of them still preserved to this day, because COVID would have been a perfect excuse for Apple to shut down the program if they didn't actually want to do it. But, you know, they're all in. They, they get celebrities, they get normal people to do sessions, they get store employees, they get guests, like... They love the Today at Apple stuff, and it's coming back in, in full force from next week. So. You know, prior to Today at Apple, there were one-to-one. There's a one-to-one program for, I think, $100 a year, and you'd sit down for an hour with an Apple Store creative that would help you learn to do something like GarageBand or you know whatever creative on, on your, your machine. And there were also workshops that were free, and those were like, you know, if you say one-to-one, then those are one-to-many, and it would be like, you know, it, those were, you know, for an hour you'd go and you'd attend, you'd schedule it, you'd attend and you'd learn, um, you know, how to do something you didn't know on your, on your product. And, um, 
both of those kind of ended up just being like tech support. <laughs> it was like, oh, I have you for free for an hour or I have you for free, you know, solo, you know, for a hundred bucks. Uh, and, and this was like, I, I think that, you know, her, her change to that program, cause that, those things went away and then this is what replaced it. And it's very different. Um, but I think that you, you're probably less likely to have, um, will help, help me, uh, you know, reset my Facebook password when someone goes to like, uh, how to remix a Taylor Swift song in GarageBand on an iPad, you know, <laughs> so, it's, it's, it, but you are right about that. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by Trade Coffee. 90% of coffee from the grocery store is actually stale. So get out of your usual routine and just stop buying it. Instead, let Trade Coffee send you something that has been freshly roasted. No matter how you love to drink coffee, Trade Coffee makes it easy to brew your best cup at home. Available at drinktrade.com slash happy hour. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. And they ship free to you as often as you like whole or ground beans. Trade's coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and your brewing method. So take their coffee quiz to get started. They guarantee you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. Their subscription is no hassle. You can easily skip pay, ship shipments, change your delivery frequency or cancel at any time. Now, Zach, I know that you've taken the Trade coffee quiz. So what did you get? Yeah, I like the quiz for one because you don't have to like have like five cups of coffee before you can take it. It's really fast and easy to do. Um, and the quiz is it gives you the right amount of, of choices to fit what you actually need. And for so for me, um, it takes into account the fact that I like to use a pod machine to make coffee. Um, I like a little bit of flavor, I like my coffee to taste like coffee. Uh, and it presents me with Alma, which is out of Canton, Georgia. And um, and it, it describes this medium to dark roast coffee, and uh, it's actually a really good fit for my taste. So that's what I'm always amazed by is is how this quiz um, is is set up to, to both be fast and give you you know an actually personalized recommendation to get started with. And so for our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of twenty dollars off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com/slash/happyhour. To get started, take that quiz at drinktrade.com/slash/happyhour and start your journey to a perfect cup. One more time, that's drinktrade.com forward slash happy hour for $20 off your first three bags. Thanks to Trade Coffee for sponsoring the show. All right. Now we've talking, we're going to talk about the event, which Woo! is which is the peak performance event. Um, peak, hmm, spelled P E E K. Yeah. So that was the source of many typos on Wednesday <laughs> uh, <laughs> for our online publishers. Um, but peak, as in like peekaboo, peak and pop. You know, sneak three peak. touch returns. <laughs> yeah, um, peak performance, and so obviously it's a play on PEA key, as in like the highest performance. Um, you know, this is the event where we think we're going to see the five G iPhone SE, the iPad, the iPad Air five, and like maybe like a MacBook Pro, then you know, a faster version of the existing chip. You know, okay, um, but peak performance that kind of makes you think like you're going to see a sneak peek of something bigger right i don't know but that's that's what we got to work with so far <laughs> what do yeah you like so the 5g iphone se and the ipad air update is obviously pretty much a lock right and unfortunately those two products are you know they're, they're important products in the lineup and people buy them for good reason but in terms of the announcement of the event like pretty boring right like the iphone se for all intents and purposes, it's going to look the same. We're not going to get a redesign this year, almost certainly. But you're going to get like the A15 chip that's in the iPhone 13s, and you're going to get 
5G support because of that, right? So now it'll be Apple's cheapest 5G phone, which Apple loves because the carriers love 5G. So you sell it, you give them 5G phones to sell, and they'll sell them like hotcakes uh, all over the world. Uh, as whether 5G is actually going to make a difference to you or not, the carriers will uh, sell those things off the shelves. You hate, you hate 5G so problem. much. 5G is amazing. It's really not where it's um, available. <laughs> and then you have the iPad Air spec bump. Which again, we're not expecting anything crazy from the iPad Air. Obviously, got refreshed uh, a year and a half ago, um, and it, you know, was leading the pack for a while because it had the A14 chip, it had center stage, it had the nice iPad Pro like design, but with the Touch ID power button. And so this year, it's not getting anything crazy. It's just getting a little spec bump, which is fair enough. Gets a faster chip, and um, probably 5G support as well on the cellular models. I mean, fine. Like, well, let's look at the SE again. So 5G, okay. Um... The colors they have now, white, black, and red. Do you think we'll, and, and this is all with a black front, which is cool. Do you think that we'll see uh, Starlight, Midnight? Oh, yeah. Instead of black and white? Point, actually. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah, capacities are 64 and 128. Do you think that will change? No. That's, that's, that's from 399 and then 449. I think 64, 128 will stay. Yeah, okay. Um, do you have a smartphone to trade in? No, that's, that's okay. That's just, I'm just reading the website <laughs> at this point. Um, well, it's got one camera. Do you think that they'll add a second camera? Because... They, they there's no ultra wide and that would at least make it a little bit interesting i think it would make much? it more interesting but i don't think too much to ask yeah <laughs> unfortunately i think it's too much it's gonna look just like the iphone 8 which is just what it looks like now right yeah 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 and it would be cool if they because there was you know for the like what if we if we if we rewind a year or so a lot of the rumors at the time were saying the 2022 iphone se would be more like a mini iphone 10r you know maybe with that face id put the um power button in the side and put the touch id in the side button and stuff and you'd get you know the faster performance you get a, you know a more basically like a mini ipad air right with a nice modern looking design but unfortunately as we've got closer to this event that those rooms have definitely fallen away in favor of the the more boring timeline yeah i bought my stepmom an iphone 11 for her birthday recently after her iphone 5c stopped working and uh so that that's a big change for her it, it's it's going from home button to gestures which has been fun to watch and then my dad went Did to Did she borrow. get on with it well? Yeah, she has. But my dad went to borrow her phone and he's like, I can't use her phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got a button phone. Yeah, I think the yeah. gestures, has a, they're not like universally praised because some people still have issues with them. But in general, I think the switch from the home button to gestures is one of the best things Apple's ever done in recent memory. Like, it modernized the iPhone in such a great way and they nailed those interactions from day one, like 95% of how you interact with an iPhone 13 is identical to how you interact with an iPhone 10. And so they got it so well, straight out of the park, great animations, great fluidity, great responsiveness. Like, And for such a dramatic and crucial part of the iPhone, the fact they kind of nailed it in the first run of it was really impressive. Like The home button, it would take a lot for it to top. And the, the gesture system from the iPhone 10 and on really, really delivered. Like, it, it, And... There are holdouts. There are people who are like, oh, I just want a home button back. A lot of those people just have never bought, have never like jumped to the modern design. And it takes you like one day. And then even people that aren't super techie get on with the gesture system in the large, in, in you know, you're never going to, you're never going to get everybody. But I think clearly history has shown that 99% of people can easily adapt from the home button design to the, to the, you know, the home indicator bar design with gestures and get on great with it and in many ways it's even better because you can switch between apps a lot easier you know the whole thing feels a lot nicer and more modern so easily one of the best thing apple's ever done yeah and speaking of iphone 11 that's you know what we get to my stepmom with um that that's the chip 
that the current SE is is mm-hmm. modeled after. So it's like going from you know an iPhone 11 inside to whatever they end up with, whether it's, it's like, what are, we, what are we thinking, A13, like a third, or excuse me, A15? Like It'd be A15, not the iPhone 13, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I don't know what that means, because <laughs> lately chips haven't meant anything. Yeah, I mean, the tw- um, like the iPhone 11, 12, and 13 chips for day-to-day use, like, not a huge difference, really. Like, I think you could, apart, uh, unless you're thinking about, like, the top end of the camera functionality. Yeah, the, the which general you don't have day-to-day. on this phone anyway. Yeah, like the general day-to-day usage of the phone is basically as smooth across the last couple of years, right? Because the the chips are just so fast compared to what they actually need to do for, you know, browsing Twitter or Facebook or something. Like, there's actually a kind of scandal going on in the app. Well, it's like Scandalous. a gate in, in the Android world at the moment where, like, a load of manufacturers have been found to be dramatically throttling their CPUs when you launch, like, Reddit or Facebook or Twitter or, like, um, you know, general apps. And so the quoted performance that you get when you run like Geekbench isn't really being upheld when you're using the phone most of the time. But I don't really think it's a scandal. That's just like performance optimization. <laughs> like, they, yeah, like technically, yeah, less of the chip is on. But if it's fast enough and so it doesn't impair your experience, then whatever. Like, it's not much different from the iPhone side where, you know, when you're doing less intensive tasks, the iPhone's CPU is only using four of the efficiency cores, not every core on the on the, on the the on the platter. So, like... I know it's not like this is an Android podcast, but I just thought that was a bit stupid because I could perfectly see I could perfectly see Apple doing the exact same policy, like and and the efficiency core versus high performance core thing basically is that policy just described as a feature rather than being hidden, if you know what I mean. So, sure, sure. anyway, there you go. Yeah, so incredible event. Can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, Apple, Tim Cook's going to come and address the Android. Uh, the Good Android morning. Day. Yeah. <laughs> so peak performance. Okay. There's so yeah. we've got the boring stuff out of the way, and there also might be if you if you, before we get to like the cool hardware that we think could possibly arrive. They, they, they'll probably have some software stuff. Maybe they'll announce Apple Music Classical because we saw that in some of the Apple Music for Android builds. And, you know, we've, we on the back end, we've seen some of the more, like, server infrastructure get ready for that. So it seems like Apple Music Classical is coming soon. It'll just be, like, a separate classical music experience for Apple Music. You just have your exact same subscription you have now, but you get it in a different nice app. So Well, hopefully a nice app. Um, and maybe there's a couple of other little things. They could do, like, a universal control demo, probably talk about Face ID with a mask because, obviously, that's a big you know, big draw for customers. Like, the, all the iOS 15.4 features, I'm sure they could fill out the event with that if they need to. But we want cool stuff, right? And so, <laughs> peak performance. If you're thinking of the PEEK part of it, some people jump to AR glasses because or AR headset because, you know, that involves vision and seeing stuff. Practically, that's not what that means. <laughs> I mean, if peak performance means anything at all, it doesn't mean the AR project. Like, it's going to be, I, I don't think the AR headset is going to be showed off until like a, an event in the fall. So you can just put that on the back burner. Peak performance kind of implies some sort of high performance, like top of the range speed machine. Now, optimistically, that means some kind of Pro Mac. Less optimistically, it could just be a reference to the fact that the iPhone SE is going to get the same chip that the iPhone 13 uses, which is peak performance of the iPhone. But uh, what's what's peak about that versus what's peak versus peak about that? Well, well, that's that's the play on words, right? So you've got to read it as peak performance, right? That's so that's the concept. But the but play on only words a- is the play on words is peak because that's what you're going to see at the next week's event. Huh. That's how I interpret it. I think it's only a play on words if it's playful, and that is not. Well, that's I mean, this is, your, this is your big friend Greg Jugsworth's idea, so. <laughs> 
if you, no, I mean, if you no one knows to, about my you, disdain for him, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you look at any of the, Apple's recent taglines like that; they're they're all like this. Like spring forward was the best because yeah, you I mean that was change your clocks. But like, yeah. Yeah. like I think peak performance is fine. Like they have to do one of these stupid little taglines every three months, so they're never going to have great ones. Peak performance to me is a play in words of you know top end performance, and it means peak as in that's what you're going to see at the event. You're going to get a look at it. Now, I you've said to me like maybe they mean sneak like sneak peak right and. That could be like a Mac Pro because they're probably going to sneak peek the Mac Pro before they actually release it for real. But I, I think that it would not be insane to show off the rest of the M1 Mac lineup because like we know all of them. Yeah, all of them. Like here's the rest. It's going to be here by the end of the year. No dates yet. But and, and why would you do that? Why would you say here's the iMac Pro with the M1 Max Dual? Here's the Mac Pro with you know the rest of M1 inventory we can fit inside of a computer. Why would you do that? Well, I think it makes it less awkward to say, and then here today is the M2 MacBook Pro, which is just not as fast as those, but it's it's more efficient at what it's good for. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's, I don't think it's what's happening. I think that yeah. I mean, the problem with that is they, they would then kill, like if they're only going to sneak peek them, they would kill off all current sales of all those product lines. Like Of, of what? Of the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro? Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I guess we, there isn't an iMac <laughs> Pro at the moment. That's a, but they do sell 27-inch iMacs at the moment. Yeah. And we all know there's going to be, chips. we all know there'll be an M1 version of those yeah but is that coming out next week that's the i think it's more likely that the mac pro announcement will be safe for wwt because that's the best audience for it you know developer yeah, and, and it will come out december 31st yeah yeah but they yeah. can sneak peek the mac pro because it sells in such low volumes right but they'll sneak peek it in june at wwdc i think peak performance probably means we're going to see either the higher end mac mini configuration with apple silicon or the 27-inch iMac slash iMac Pro. That would be my wager. And if you want to be more boring, you'd be high-end Mac Mini because, like, they didn't even need to do, like, a chassis redesign. I know there's rumors of a chassis redesign, but it's not, like, set in stone confirmed. It could just be we have the same enclosure because we've got loads of spare space inside. We'll just give it an M1 Max now, and you can buy that if you want as the high-end configuration. I think it's a typo because words like capital and capital and there and there and peak and peak are often mistaked. And this is just a big typo, a big misunderstanding. <laughs> I I mean, that'd be hilarious if that was true. <laughs> the no other way you could look at peak, it's also peak, is if they do an M2 chip, maybe like the 13-inch MacBook Pro M2, because then that would be peak performance of the non-pro machines, right? The, the Like the prosumer machines. And they could, I think, like, everyone makes a big deal about the M1 Max versus, oh, M2, like, M2 sounds better than M1 Max. Like, Apple doesn't care about that. They haven't cared about that for years. Like, they did A12Z on the iPad when the iPhone was on A13. Like, you know, if Apple wanted to sort those names out, they would have called them different things four years ago. But we know what Apple's, <laughs> we know what Apple's naming schemes are like. So, I don't, I think the M1, the M1 Max versus M2 thing's complete. Apple just announced it whenever they want. But, I, my, guess is more based on the rumors which is like the m2 stuff is probably going to debut first in a macbook air at the end of the year that'd be my expectation so i'm going for iphone se ipad air and then high-end mac mini and then maybe the 27 inch imac because i mean it's been a year since the 23 inch m1 imac right so they could do a higher model of that and that would all be just be finishing off the m1 lines m1 pro m1 max in those products and then wwc rolls around you get the 27-inch iMac Pro released. That'd be if it doesn't come out next week, and you get the sneak peek at the Mac Pro. And then in September slash October, you get the redesigned MacBook Air, and then whatever they're going to do to the base 30-inch MacBook Pro. That's my current 
guess at the timelines. So if if there's no preview of something coming later, then it then that's how I know this is a typo, and it was never meant to be this <laughs> the suggestion of something to come that's fast. It's just yeah, okay. Yeah, Apple screwed up big time. You've had you don't th- you don't think we're going to see the iPhone twenty turn off at <laughs> the SE event. How about the foldable laptop? Slash <laughs> yeah, iPad? yeah, and the phone, the little phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will obviously give you full coverage of the event in the podcast. When when is it? Tuesday, March eighth, ten a.m. Tuesday, Pacific, March one p.m. Eastern time. Yep, yep. Cool. I'm looking forward to it, even though it might be a boring Vir- one. virtual only. By the way, as as we've you know lived through these, so just yeah, they've, they've taken today and Apple back to uh, reality, but not the Apple event just yet. Finally this week, the show is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash Mac Happy Hour. Relationships, whether romantic or just friendships, they take work. We'll drop anything, go out of our way to help someone that we care about. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? When do you take a day off just to give your mind a break? Do you do therapy or maybe do you get some coaching? Well, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship. That's the one that you have with yourself. Invest in yourself as much as you do friends and family. Remember, you are your own greatest asset. So BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with the therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and 95 Mac Happy Hour listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash MacHappyHour. That's 10% off the first month. Go to betterhelp.com slash MacHappyHour, spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash MacHappyHour. Betterhelp.com slash MacHappyHour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. Now we have a, a, a peek at what's to come in Safari. By could, way be, of could be our car. first iOS 16 leak, possibly. Could be, yeah. This is a custom dark mode options Safari, which what 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 does that mean? It means yeah, so per, per website and like per that, website basically, yeah. Because yeah. right now, if you if you go into the Safari little toolbar thing, you can right click and you can do settings for this website, and they have options for you know use reader mode automatically, enable content blockers, page zoom, autoplay options for video, pop ups, and stuff like that. And based on code findings by our colleague. Uh, Felipe Esposito, because obviously WebKit is open source, and in the lead up to WWTC, it's quite common for Apple to start pushing stuff to that repository that at least includes references to features yet to come. Uh, and we talk, we spoke about 3D Touch in this episode. That was actually in um, one of the pre-release versions of WebKit before the iPhone 6s came out many years ago. It said like link previews with then you know you have to like press hard or something. So that leaked out through that way. Uh, this seems to be something that will be ready for iOS 16. Basically, right now, you set your light mode or dark mode on your phone, and then any website that is following the system dark mode will just follow whatever your phone is set to. But there are some websites where you prefer that the website would just be always in light mode or always in dark mode, right? Um, regardless of what your global system setting is. And so one of the features that we expect now to see in iOS 16 for Safari is that one of the per website settings will be allow you to say for this website follow the system appearance or specifically go dark or light mode. Pretty cool feature. I know there's some websites I do that I do that with where 
I want the system to be dark. I mean, I have my iPhone set to automatic, so it changes based on sunrise and sunset. But there are some websites which don't have a very nice looking dark mode. So if I could just say for that website, always be in light mode, I would definitely do it. So that's apparently coming soon. And there's also evidence that Apple is working on like a a global cookie consent database. Yeah, yeah. So so many websites. Almost every website you visit, it's like before you can actually read the website, we've got to put up this legalese and tell you to accept or deny cookies. And every website has a slightly different, slightly differently frustrating little pop-up thing that gets your permission. And what it seems like Apple's working on is some sort of system, global API, platform, SDK, whatever you want to call it, that these websites would be able to integrate with the system preference. So in like settings of Safari, you'd be able to say like, automatically accept all cookies automatically deny all first party cookies or here's a list and you can set it up as you want and that way the websites that have been updated to respect what your settings are would not have to show you the stupid javascript dialogue thingies they would just be able to read the system setting that you've already set up before and respect that and you get on with your day non-interrupted when you visit a website that'd be really nice obviously that's highly conditional on websites on the internet updating to support whatever the API is that makes it possible. Um, And presumably Apple will present the UI in such a way that a lot of people default to reject all cookies. So maybe the websites will be disincentivized to use the system API and they'll just want to prompt anyway. But at least in theory, it's a good idea. I like cookies. I mean, not just the bakery cookies, but I always always say yes to cookies. Um, MLB, Major League Baseball, the news this week is that opening day has been canceled because there's a big labor dispute between the the people involved. But there could be uh, a deal between Apple and NBC to carry MLB games. I'm not I'm not crazy about these Apple could carry sports stories because they they happen every single year. Like over the past seven years that I've been managing. Yeah, but there's where... a lot more smoke for the fire this year. <laughs> okay, <laughs> why? Well, because like. CNBC is reporting on the Apple and MLB deal was like they're inactive in conversations they're in late stages like you don't believe like WSJ and then back in the day like Recode yeah I mean I guess (laughs) it did like because not only is the MLB there's also talk about Thursday night football ticket you know Sunday ticket like yes yeah all all of them they all they all like until it happens they're always you know and and in late talks and you know. Yeah, but I think this is the year it's actually going to happen because we've also seen updates to the TV app to better support sports content, right? Mm. So mm. In- that's what was holding them back before. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you, you know, this is the this is the common playbook where you see updates to apps that are just like, why is Apple updating this app? And then you know, a few months later, there's this whole initiative behind it, like the wallet app before they introduced the Apple Card or the podcast app before they introduced subscriptions. Like you know, this happens time and time and time again. And they have control over those things, though. You know, you know, you know, uh, Charlie Brown and Snoopy, and mm-hmm. the classic like Charlie Brown and um, you know Lucy with the football, and he goes to kick it, and she always moves it, and he falls backwards. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is literally that. I mean, right now it's baseball, but it's also football. So I just see that every time. I know, but you agree with me. They Apple, uh, for as good as they're keeping secrets, they highly telegraph a lot of stuff where it's like the app changes, and it's like, well, there's definitely something service related coming along very shortly in that in that regard we even saw it last year with on the apple watch where they redesigned the 
meditations app from Breathe to Meditation or whatever they call it, Relaxate, I can't remember what they call it. And why did they do that? Because in September, they were like, Fitness Plus has now got meditation workouts that are now in this app. Like, this happens constantly. And the TV app is following that exact same course in 15.3 on select games in America. They now have like inline highlights or rundowns of like a transcript of stuff that's happened in the sports game and you can like click on them and like jump to it um so that's already shipped and 95 mac has seen evidence that apple's actively working on updates to sports features like sports kit is coming soon and even in 15.4 betas they've added like they they renamed some sports score options for like sinking sports scores or hiding scores and like there's a lot of smoke where there's fire so i'm convinced this is happening well I'm convinced this is almost happening. Uh, they're going to go. They're going to bid for rights 100%. Whether they win them or not is a different matter. Um, it seems like the MLB thing was pretty advanced, but now there's the roadblock of the fact that no MLB games are actually happening because of the dispute between the owners and the players. So, <laughs> yeah. So maybe that won't happen. But the the story here was that Apple doesn't seem to be having to be wagering for exclusivity in America. Yeah. So they like some games would be on the apple tv platform and then some other games would be on nbc broadcast and on their stream service peacock so why like intuitively it makes sense for apple to push for exclusivity but a lot of these uh, sports franchises they purposely don't allow one company to dominate the broadcast because it gives them more leverage so they like say look we're only going to sell you these games if you share 60 40 with somebody else so you know, Apple might have wanted to pay the extra money to get exclusivity, but it just wasn't available. Um, and we'll probably see the same thing happen with Thursday Night Football as well, or Sunday Night Football, whenever Sunday Ticket, whenever it, it rolls around. Like, because right now Sunday Ticket is exclusive to DirecTV, but the NFL hates it. They want they you know they signed this deal like a long time so ago. No one has DirecTV anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't like they don't like the fact that it's only owned by one person. So I'm sure when those rights eventually come up, there'll be some split amongst services. Like it's it's high unless unless a company pays really over the edge uh, really over the edge of what something's worth like these sports leagues are not going to give people full exclusivity because it doesn't make competitive sense to them and apple is going to have to play within the remit of what these leagues want like it you know apple will of course want to offer mlb games with no blackouts with no restrictions with you know local games far away games regardless of where you are but that's not like that's just not realistic mlb is not going to let them do that because they have their own Byzantine and Labyrinthine deals with all the you know local affiliates and everybody else. So you know Apple's at least for the beginning they'll get some deal, they'll get some rights, they'll show some games, but it's not going to be like a revolution of sports broadcasting. It's just going to be sports games through the Apple TV app and probably for like an extra add-on on top of because I highly doubt they're just going to roll in TV Plus for free. It'd be like maybe you get it as part of Apple One Premiere, like TV Sports or whatever they, they want to brand it. So TV Plus on its own is five dollars a month. Maybe it'd be like you pay an extra five dollars a month, so it's like ten dollars total to get TV Plus Plus Sports or something of that nature. I doubt they're going to do it all for free, but it'd be cool that they do it. But it's not going to be like a like a revolution in the sports streaming space. It's just going to be Apple has paid the rights to get some games, and the same blackout rules will apply and everything like that. Yeah, you know, you know what Apple could contribute and make part of the deal. Um, the the super, like you look at NFL specifically, the Super Bowl and the biggest watched game, probably the biggest watched thing on TV. Uh, it it's not it's it's hardly ever in 4K. If you're watching mm-hmm. it, you know they, TV makers and stores selling TVs will say you've got to get a 4K TV before the big game on Sunday, and then it's only streamed in 1080p HD or 1080i or whatever. Even 
Uh, I think it was a few years ago. I think only Fox Sports does 4K sports on on like broadcast. Um, and then and, and so they've had the Super Bowl before and they've had it in 4K, but it was like one year in the last like five or six years. So you know, so I, and I'm not so sure how the rest of the games go throughout the year, but but you know maybe that, that could be part of the discussions whether it's MLB or NFL. It's like Apple, you know, they they've got they're they, they're pretty good at streaming stuff. And, yeah. and and they, they could be part of the deal. It's like I would just imagine that Apple would want this in the highest quality. They'd want it to be 4K HDR. You know? so, some of it depends on like the equipment that the actual like stadiums have. Sure, and, they, and, they, and they'd want to approve it if they if they needed to. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. So Apple definitely has like the resources to be like, look, we'll even pay for these cameras to be upgraded. We just yeah. want it in 4K. Yeah, and maybe it could be like. Because this is something they I could definitely see Apple get in a negotiation. Like NBC can stream the games at 720p, but if you want the 4K versions, you have to come to us. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like that's something they could definitely organize. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then now I've got a game that I want to play with you. Um, tell me what year this is from. This headline on Undefined Mac. Apple still in early talks with NFL about acquiring the rights of Sunday ticket games. 2017. 2021. So it's last. Okay, year. that was only last year. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah well, that's, gonna... that's fine because the Sunday ticket renewal isn't until the end of this year. So of course the negotiations <laughs> have to happen two years ago. But <laughs> okay, and then uh, let's see. I got one more, but it's... I mean, I guess 2017 because you maybe played the game. So I thought you were going to make some big point by being really old. But yeah, no, there's another, there's, a, there's a second round here. I'm just letting my tab load in because for some reason it fell out of memory. I need to upgrade my computer. It's only eight <laughs> <of memory. laughs> um, you need peak performance. That's what you need. I, I do. I do need peak performance. Um, let's see. This, this next one is uh, Apple said to be in negotiations with the NFL for Thursday Night Football. What year is that? That's got to be like 2019, 2018. That's 2016. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was 2016. Okay, <laughs> None yeah. of these have ever made it. You know, I'm sure I could find more. We'll, we'll I know, but like you can go back to 2016 and see rumors about original TV production, right? Like, Yeah. It did happen and it will happen. And they've, they've hired like the ex- amazon vp who used to run sports amazon like they clearly have interest in this area they have the money they have a streaming service that they want to prop up with sports content like the 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 stars align they're updating the tv app which you know they need some motivation for adding stuff because they're not they don't invest in the tv app willingly as we've seen but um it's gonna happen it's gonna happen whether it's mlb or sunday ticket like sunday ticket isn't like the mlb stuff seems pretty almost confirmed to me the 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 sunday ticket stuff is still no, you know, no deal's been signed, um, nah. so that's it, it, that's just like apples in the in the discussions. But yeah, our, our colleague Chance wrote in 2020, 2020, uh There's a chance Apple TV Plus could become the future home of NFL Sunday Ticket. So there's a chance. There's a chance. Thanks, Chance. According to Chance. <laughs> According to Chance. So this has been a fun game to play. We'll, we'll do this every week now because there's one here. All right, uh, and and lastly, there's some 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 real stuff to talk about, which is that the uh, hit TV show that Chance Miller says could be better than Ted Lasso. That's his hot take that he was afraid to tweet, so I tweeted it for him. Uh, <laughs> he says that the after party, well, that that was his thing. The after party today though has been renewed for season two. That's one day before, as we record the uh, season finale, in which the mystery becomes uh, hopefully resolved. Um, you were happy about this, right? Yeah, I love it. I think I'm pretty great, and the 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 i you know when i first saw the renewal i was like oh no is the season one thing like a going to be a massive cliffhanger and they don't actually tell you what happens but uh some like critics have already seen the final episode no no uh, like no this this case gets resolved with the eighth episode that comes out tomorrow 
Uh, it sounds like the second season of After Party will be like a completely different setting, completely, maybe even be about an After Party, but basically the Tiffany Haddish character, the policewoman, will return, but maybe not any other cast because they'll be in a completely different environment investigating some other mystery. So. Yeah, yeah. It might be like one of those things where it's like the second season's called like The After Party, colon, and then it's like, I don't know, Kitchen Nightmares. Or, you know what I mean? Like it might not be about an After Party at all. But I, like, I think the show's great, so I'm, I'm glad there's going to be more of it. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well well cool i'm looking forward to it um my my prediction again you know show isn't out yet as we record on thursday uh is that it was uh an accidental suicide caused by an unknown allergic reaction to peanut butter so if it's that i will be less happy with the show <laughs> i mean like the season one has been really good but the resolution has to be at least decent for me to be happy with it because if it's a stupid ending that's like oh and you could never have guessed it in a million years and there was no clues or anything then i will hate the uh I will dis- my my love will turn to mild mild like liking you know what would, I mean like, would 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 you like a Ted Lasso universe feature film that begins with his childhood teenage years you know with with his dad and then covers most of his marriage falling apart and then the football stuff and then it it leads up to the first scene in the first episode of Ted Lasso that'd be cool I'd, yeah, I'd be I think it would be cool. That's my if, I, if they make it, they have to pay me for that. I thought of the whole thing myself. Yeah, I'm sure they haven't thought about that at all. Like their biggest franchise hit, I'm sure they haven't already been planning spinoffs and <laughs> and backup plans in case uh, Sudeikis says he's done. Because you know, as it stands today, the third season is the last. But I think everybody knows that Apple will uh, bring up the money truck to make sure that doesn't happen in many ways as possible because it's such a big hit for them. I watched a movie on Netflix of the day that's called uh, Kodachrome. No, it's got it's got Jason Sudeikis in it, and like a totally, um, not like Ted Lasso character, but like when 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 Ted Lasso is like you know kind of his raw self, like that that version of it, and it was really enjoyable to watch. Check it out if you you actually, yeah, if you actually want a Ted Lasso movie. Um, Hey, Rory. So that is the podcast (laughs) for this week. We will be back next week to discuss whatever happens at Apple's peak performance event on Tuesday, March eighth. Um, back at our usual time on Friday. And uh, if you have any feedback for the show, uh, feedback for me or, or Mayo or my son Rory, you can email us <laughs> together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. He doesn't actually have to look, deal with email. It's awesome. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at B-Z-A Mayo. And we will be back next week. Just the two of us. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.